1: Hello and welcome to episode 323 of the Winning Six Podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello! Hello! (laughs) Uh, Is it a week? I think it's a week exactly, right? We probably recorded the day before the draft, so a week since Mm -hmm. we recorded last. And... Just schedule-wise, would work for both of us. We knew it was going to be tough the back end of the week to record. That turned out to be for the best. Because, like, if ever there was a time where I was like, I'm glad I'm not in the, the daily podcast game, it's been the last week. Um, shout out to Kane and Locked On Books and, you know, everyone who's doing daily or close to podcasts because... Uh, the Bucks have kind of taken us all on a pretty wild ride over the mm-hmm. last week. And what we're going to do to begin with, at least, is we're going to try and retrace those steps, bring you back through it. So buckle up for some pain, uh, some maybe some eventual uh, good feeling. I don't know. It's up for debate. We'll get into it all. Um, the place to start, though, is where we left off last time. With an episode that I believe I titled something like Trader John lands Drew and Bogdan. Uh, turns out he didn't. He landed just Drew Holiday. That news is now officially official just before we, we started recording here. And I'm trying to think did the Bogdan Bogdanovich, that was before the draft that started to unravel? Yep. Yep, it was like that Wednesday
0: afternoon.
1: Right, okay. So we'll start there before we get to the draft. So, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is not a book. As of this recording, he is, you know, he's a teamless man. He's like a man without a nation. He's stuck in this limbo uh, between the Hawks and the Kings. Not exactly the best place to be, but he's going to get a very nice payday for it. He has signed a four-year, 72 million, right? Yep. Uh, Offer sheet with the Atlanta Hawks. The Kings are on the clock to match that, and maybe if some of you don't listen to this today, by the time you do listen to it, you'll have an answer as to whether he's a King or a Hawk. But the reported deal, the deal we discussed on our last episode that um, was going to bring Bogdan and Justin James is that it? Is it James Justin?
0: Justin James.
1: That's yes. it. <laughs> Apologies to Justin James, who I didn't really remember at the time last week. I've now officially forgotten. The forgotten man of the past week. Um, but that deal hasn't happened. Dante DiVincenzo and DJ Wilson are still books. Ursan Silva, who was also supposedly part of that trade, is no longer a book because he was waived before his salary would have guaranteed. This tough, is just the beginning. For, I hope you're all Ur-San. keeping up. Tough break for Ursan. He deserved better. Franchise legend. Next week, we'll just do an episode on Ursan, right? I, will, I
0: wouldn't mind that because he has such an interesting story.
1: I, I, I don't know if we'll get to do it next I think, week. Because I don't think it'll get, a, get a lot of timeline that. where the season... Does the season start next week, Jordan? It might. Yeah. Um, I wish we had a, a full oh. off-season so that we could have a proper full... Uh, Ersan devoted episode because I, there's a lot there and I have very strong feelings about it. But Ersan, he's you know he's roaming the wild right now. He is still a free agent. I have a feeling he may be maybe heading to Europe. May end up back in Turkey. I don't know. But we'll see. It could be an NBA landing spot, yeah. I just said we'll see there, like John King from CNN. I don't know. <sighs> Maybe that's what happened. You look I a lot of that. You Look
0: at your board, like, oh, look at the roster spots we'll available.
1: We'll count the votes, Jordan. We'll count the votes. <laughs> and on that note, I mean, the first reports of uh, you <laughs> know the, the tally of books trades <laughs> mm, couldn't uh, exactly be trusted. Yeah, I think so, we should stop
0: the count uh, at some point.
1: <laughs> no, well, I think they should have counted the. They should have kept counting, and they did, and ultimately, you know. Well, so getting back onto basketball. <laughs> well, at my time, but we're talking about basketball all along. Yeah, the Bogdan deal fell apart, and the Bogdan deal has fallen apart in a way where I'd love to give you the this is what happened. Um, There is no official line on that, though, because it didn't happen. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Nothing happened here. Yeah. And the NBA are actively investigating the books and the Kings for tampering because there was a reported sign and trade before you were allowed to sign and trade. Well, before you were allowed to sign players, that being the, the key problem. But to do a sign and trade, um, you you have to agree to a new free agent contract and free agency had not opened. So the books are being investigated for tampering. Now, since that, I mean, there's been all sorts of buzz, reports from various people. I think people have their own ideas at this time. I've heard quite a lot of different kind of different bits and pieces of information that kind of put a fuller picture together I mean we'll just kind of lay it all out there and people can decide for themselves and I guess we'll we'll chip in with what we think happened here um, Bogdan and Bogdan's people claim that they never had an agreement when it started to fall apart this was the report that came out I feel Sam Amick may have had that particular detail Mm-hmm. Um, who, Sam Amick of the Atlantic, uh, a reporter with kind of long-time Kings. Sacramento, type. yeah,
0: Sacramento-based.
1: Yeah, so would always have kind of ear to the ground and a good read on that situation. He was the first reporter to come out with it. Uh, very reputable and a well-known reporter, not like it was just some random person. But yet the likes of Woj and Shams, who had reported the previous night, weren't in any particular rush to walk things back, so we were left in a pretty confusing situation so that was the first rumbling of something's not quite right here i guess at that point the assumption would be they'll just work it out though right uh i don't know i think that early on i was still thinking this is going to get worked out i mean the, I, the definitely, next I definitely thought that, so
0: too but i knew that like okay is this just going to be a temporary investigation?
1: Then he's well, like, "That's that's the thing." In the winds. That's really what came from that was then mm-hmm. this idea, and you know, NBA fans. If anyone loves a conspiracy theory, it's NBA fans. It's bu- I think it's it, to go even, even more I, so, I but NBA fans. Go
0: micro on that, like
1: the books, fans element of this. This is joining, you know, the two thousand and one conference finals. <laughs> <laughs> like in the annals of Books history.
0: Yep. Having Rod Thorne come into your league off or your team office because there's general infighting.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's a whole well of books conspiracies and this can now join them. Um although I really think it was kinda of debunked by what happened since, but there was many who, I guess somewhat optimistically, were viewing it as no, this will get worked out. But this is all this is all a ruse. This is an attempt to pretend there was no agreement, so there was no tampering, and put the NBA off the scent of the tampering that could bring down this deal that um, could have led to very significant fines and kind of hilarity in the case of the Bucks could have seen draft picks taken away from them. Which good they would work. reply,
0: "What draft picks?" And then everybody <laughs> would have a nice laugh and they would well, the conference room.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that the Drew Holiday deal is official, official. While that investigation yeah, is the still going can't on. Be taken
0: away, or like, they can't be uh, re-taken away.
1: Yeah, that's a reason to push that trade through in a hurry because if the NBA just go, actually, we'll take this one and it's supposed to on that deal, that could be a whole different problem. But yeah, so reports came out from Bogdan's camp that no agreement was in place. And then things kind of went quiet for a while. Um, the first big red flag and really as at the point where I know I started to hear things that I was very much convinced once free hc opened, this is dead. Um, this is over. Forget about it. But the first kind of real red flag that everyone should mean this is over, although a lot of people didn't want to give up, I think still didn't give up till maybe a day or so ago, um, was when Ursan was waived because your salary matching just became very, very difficult. Yep. You would have had to either trade Brooke Lopez or do a sign and trade, trade with... a free agent, which people kept being like, oh, they can do that. They sure, can do that, but they did they want do it, to do but... that?
0: But no, they didn't.
1: Free agents don't do that. Like, yeah. for example, Pat Connaughton didn't decide to re-sign with the Bucks and then to be shipped to Sacramento. He'll just say, No, I'm not going to sign with you because I don't want to go to the Kings. It's like It may
0: explain some uh some things.
1: Well, yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> it's what I'm saying is it's not yeah. easy to do a kind of pull the wool over the eyes. Yep. Oh, sign and trade. And a day later, oh, in fact, you're not coming to play for us. We've shipped you to a place you've no interest in playing. That's it doesn't really happen, and it would probably be, you know, Close to your repairable from an optics point of view, and in terms of trying to attract players to come sign for you, they just it doesn't happen. So it was never going to happen. And that's where
0: um, also Rolo opting out burned them twice. Yeah. So yeah.
1: No. And that was an twice, interesting one it, too. It burned them. Yeah, for sure, it did. It it left them in a really really tough spot yeah. where we knew they had limited options to make deals going in. We kept talking that. we kept talking about. That's why um, the two previous podcasts before, our most recent one, had been so grim. Yep. And that ultimately kind of came full circle and proved to be true, as it was what sunk any chances of making a deal. But really, coming out the other side of it, was there ever a deal to begin with, Jordan?
0: I how do i delicately phrase this i think there we could say that there is there a deal, was there a deal was there you know all this stuff like no one's gonna put it on paper like you know what i mean like that's where like the whole tampering thing where it's like oh they're gonna find evidence of it like people like as messy as this is teams still know how to like, cover their tracks with everything and if mm. reports are led to be all, are you confident I've confident with some teams. I, I may not be confident confident with the, the team that I follow like, the most.
1: <laughs> no texts, no emails. I wouldn't say that's guaranteed.
0: Burner phones. Burner, if if Breaky Bad and The Wire has shown us anything, you got to have burner phones and then you just throw them in the trash. Right? Yeah. <laughs> But But if you're in
1: the NBA, I guess, and you're going to do free agency, I don't know why they're all not doing this. Maybe they are, Jordan. Maybe this is why nothing will be found. But I'm not entirely convinced that there will be no trace anywhere if there was, in fact, real negotiations.
0: But I I think with hindsight and just how everything played out, I think it, first of all, it gives them plausible deniability that like, oh, Bogdan didn't agree to anything because you know, he's the free agent in this matter and everything like that. Like he's going to want to field interest from teams. He's going to want the most money, all that stuff. Like, th- like from that perspective, yes. Like I can't understand why they're doing that, but also if we knew that the bucks were capped in terms of how much money they could offer Bogdan based on all the like financial stuff that has to come with the sign and trade, whether it's like base year compensation the salary that they would have sent out in that trade package, everything like that. They were ultimately capped where if Bogdan actually had gone through restricted free agency like he is right now and still came back to the bucks, like he still would have taken probably a decent pay. I mean, look at his offer sheet right now, four years, mm-hmm. 32 million. I believe the offer that was out there was four years, 60 million. That's a difference of, you know, 12 million dollars however you want to structure it whether there was a player option all that stuff like it's just very easy to look like hmm who stands the game from having this leak out from having a better deal or from having Bogdan side a better deal with more money and i and we there's some things that have uh been learned over this time from Bogdan's agency Agent, uh, or a representation that has kind of a shady history of doing deals. I, I should say, for sure, <laughs> for sure,
1: so doing just... deals that are exceptional for the clients, but really have no regard for the plans of the team and are just yep. like flat out disrespectful. I mean, I mean, um, it, the two there's... prime examples are yeah. Marquise Morris with the Spurs. Where they essentially dumped. That was I, I think
0: that might have been. Wait, was it Marcus?
1: I I actually don't know. I can't remember. I thought it was, Mar- was Markeith, but now that you've said. Now that you've questioned me on which twin. Um, anyway, a
0: Morris twin.
1: <laughs> one of the Morris twins who signed for the Spurs, signed, quote unquote, had an agreement, was fully reported. They moved Davis Bertans to the Wizards, which, I mean, look what he made this summer. Summer? It's not summer, Adam. This offseason. Um, and, like, how he played last year. They just moved him on because, okay, this is the direction we want to go and we've got a replacement. Only to then, you know, renege on the agreement a few days later, re-enter free agency. Spurs are down a very useful player and, a, you know, what could have been a much better asset if they were planning in a different way. And he eventually goes on and signs elsewhere. Um, the other one was Nemanja Bilice, yep, who finally bring it back to the Kings part of it. Signed with the Sixers, right? Agreed to sign with the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Then a few days later, oh, having second thoughts, he's, he might go back to Europe. Gave that reason to the Sixers, got out of the contract, eventually signed a richer contract with the Kings like a few days later. Which is just like, it's so slimy.
0: Yeah, it's so slimy. so,
1: so slimy. It's just not really how business is done in the NBA. And I'm not saying that to hold up uh, NBA dealings as some paragon of virtue. But you don't see a whole lot of that. Like, that kind of level of bad fate. It's very difficult to do deals in that landscape. And yeah, I think for me, that's what happened here. Like, the books got played. Uh, oh yeah. whether whether they were really invested, um, is a different matter. I don't think. I'm not sure. Bits of piece I've heard if they ever really thought this was happening in a way it was being reported, um, the leaks you talk about the leaks the leaks are a key part of this conversation. But yet, I mean, I'll put it out there because. You know, if if I was still writing, Jordan, I would have written some articles in this past week. Mm-hmm. Um, the Woj thing was, as in everyone, like, blaming Woj. Some of the stuff I read, some of the stuff I heard, some of the tweets, they were all embarrassing. Yep. For People I really respect and people are really smart. They were embarrassing. The fault did not lie with a reporter here. Like, I, the double standards that would be required for me to pretend that, like all the times that fans of the books or other teams will celebrate Woj or Shams or whoever it might be reporting something again, you know, you get the information it's reported. Um, what, what the process was for that reporting, you know, what the verification on where it came from and then who, who said, what. that's sure. That's worth questioning, but we don't actually, we can't exactly tap into Woj's process on that. What we you do can't is, the messenger. he is the most reliable reporter, maybe in sports, <laughs> like one of the most reliable, most well-connected and prolific reporters in all of sports,
0: Yep.
1: and the it was embarrassing it was like, I, I hope people can look back at some of the just frankly stupid things they were saying, where they're blaming a reporter for bringing the whole thing down it wasn't on that, it was on the leak and uh, the leak the books had no reason to leak it Anything I've heard suggests the books did not leak it. And the books, initially, people were like, oh, they were too focused. They must have just decided we're having a victory lap and they leaked it. Like, for as much as there have been, uh, let's say, salary cap CBA related errors in the past week, they're not so stupid as to not realize you can't go and celebrate a sign and trade before free agency begins. And certainly before a player has actually agreed to sign. And that's how it really seems. I mean, it seems like that part that came from his agency afterwards was legitimate. So I think it's entirely possible that could be legitimate in coming from his agents that there's no agreement with the books, And his agents could also have been the source of, oh, he's going to sign a trade to the books Because they pumped up the, the value and they pumped up the market. And yep. I have no doubt if some Especially, of the chips didn't follow the way they did for the Lakers, <clears throat> I think the Lakers would have been in the mix and would have been even probably more motivated by the fact that the books were in the mix and possibly would have blown it. Like, you would have got the attention of a whole lot of teams who want to make the books look stupid for very obvious other reasons at the moment.
0: Yeah. look at, And look at how free played out where there was already a finite number of teams with cap space. Some of whom, I mean, I know the Knicks. They are kind of in. You know, we'll take your trash and kind of hoard your picks for it. But there's only so many teams that could reasonably bring him into cap space. Atlanta being one of the few exceptions, or
1: yeah, um, Atlanta. Who, um, I mean, the ownership front office group. I would say not the warmest of relationships with Coach Bud. Didn't Nor see... I mean, remember?
0: Do you remember I'm, the twenty eighteen? There,
1: I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> um. Didn't didn't exactly see to eye to eye with Coach Bud, uh, because Bud wanted to be competitive. They very much did not want to be competitive, and that finished in very unceremonial fashion. And then, yeah, in the time since, they have been more than happy to capitalize on leaks that have adversely affected the books before. Um, which that was the Dante pick. Right, yep. Um, where the books were in talks to trade down to get him, and then it leaked that the books wanted Dante, and the Hawks said, "Oh, okay, we don't need to trade them. We want Kevin Herder, He's still going to be there." Um, so the books lost out on potentially having two first round picks, I believe, or at least a, a second. Like, I could look up the exact details of that. There was another pick, which it turns out, you know, would have been useful. Um, they're kind of short on those. So, yeah, not the first time the Hawks have been the benefactors of kind of books misery related to leaks in the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, the the one part of it that's unavoidable is um, the whole Bogdanovich thing was a complete unmitigated disaster for the books as an organization, the books as a front office, um, the books as a roster, and uh, that comes in spite of the fact that. They may never have thought it was that real to begin with, and they may not really have ever done anything all that wrong. (laughs) Uh, But it completely reframed the optics of everything. It was something that it was hard to view as anything other than a high-profile gaffe on their part, even though, again, it may not have been. And it also set up a level of expectations where, take, for example, people like you and I, who were incredibly down on the prospects of what the books could do to you know, reshape their roster and really maximize what they have going into next season. Then we hear drew holiday, Bogdan Bogdanovich. It's like, Whoa, we talked about, you know, is, is this possibly the the greatest book starting five ever on the last episode? And we agreed on that. And now that doesn't exist. And I don't think we're having that kind of conversation anymore. So they've got a great starting four. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, like that's, that's kind of going to, it's going to linger over everything for the rest of, <laughs> well, we don't know how long that will all be yet. Um, if Janus could just pick up that pen and get writing. Um, he doesn't have to, just just a squiggle, an initial, right? That's all we need.
0: Yeah, just a G, um, like
1: just the initials. Yeah, that would help us on that front to, to have a greater sense of it. But this is going to be talked about in the same way that the Malcolm Brogdon deal a year ago um, was talked about, is still talked about. And this one may actually be so much more unfair than that, because we don't know how close it ever was, what their belief ever was. I mean, in revisiting, one thing from the Kings' perspective is, like, really, what was in it for them in that reported deal? Dante. Do they want Dante that much? If they match I for know, Bogdan, I mean,
0: look at. I mean, they they could have for- like you know foresaw what how the draft would shake out, where they get Tyrese Halliburton, who you know, i not saying he's the same player as Bogdan Bogdanovich, but that's who your replacement is essentially. Um, and yeah, but
1: think of it this way, right? So, as we record, the Bogdan situation has not resolved itself completely. Yep. So
0: yeah, not until like midnight tonight. They
1: didn't just walk away and pull their offer. Now, whether that's because they're just trying to see, okay, is there a way we can do any kind of uh, look? We're really past that point. We're past the point of sign, sign and trade or anything like that. Even with the Hawks, realistically, um, but that means they're at least willing over matching it. Mm-hmm. And if they like Bogdan that much that they could match an offer at that price. I don't think they were going to move him for just Dante which is what that was Dante and someone that I guess fans could be happy with being on the team because he's a hometown guy like that's a that's a kind of tricky one to unpack now too like we really thought that that was part of why the the cost of Drew Holiday and all of those picks it balanced out because it was like look at the kings the kings are getting nothing out of this what a terrible deal for them I don't know. Did it make sense to begin with? Was it ever real? I'm skeptical to say to say the the most, the least. Say the least, Jordan. That's what will say. The least. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Anything else on Bogdan? I mean just I agree with you. I mean,
0: it's going to hang over the Bucks season. Even if Yana signs, frankly. You know, like this is it's the We were talking about how, you know, the package deal of Bogdan and Holiday and, you know, the draft picks that you give up, which, you know, I think a lot of fans are going to have some buyer's remorse, but (laughs) there's not much else, other avenues that the Bucks could do to reasonably make that deal.
1: They had to get rid of Bledsoe. They had to get rid of
0: Bledsoe. Once you
1: get rid of Bledsoe, you need to find a new point guard, and they found a really, really good one.
0: Yep. Easily, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. An upgrade all over the board, pretty much. Compared yeah, like to
1: that's what, that's kind of the conclusion we even came to on the last episode and talk about him. I mean, I'll, we'll get to it at the end and we'll talk through it. I'm not crazy about what the books have done in the past week. There's now this other kind of wave of people being like, "Oh, look, it is good. Let's get behind this team. Is great. This team." I'm, there's things I'm very much not convinced about, but I one of the things I don't have a problem with is getting Drew Holiday. Instead of Eric, yeah, but, but, yeah, you like if this works, it's only going to work because of that. It's not going to work because you got Bobby Portis or DJ Augustin or Bryn Forbes or, or resigned Pat Connaughton to the worst contract ever. Like things like that are not going to really have any bearing. They may make the smallest difference, but if the books are in a position where this whole thing can can pan out with a championship as opposed to what's happened the past two years, that will come down to just. Holiday being a colossal upgrade over Bledsoe.
0: Yep, it it, it solves a fundamental flaw, without question.
1: We get yeah, the we, fundamental flaw. It's not the, the only yeah, exactly, one, but I think the, it is the, the one, one that really was. I mean, it's the problem that exacerbated every other problem. Yeah. Like, if, yeah, if I you mean, look seriously, at though, the that's Tuesday why has, they should be just eased a little bit by having Drew Holiday instead of Eric Bledsoe in the playoffs.
0: Exactly. I mean, we love George Hill for a lot of reasons, but his importance to the Bucks was made even more essential because of Eric Bledsoe and what he does in the playoffs. I mean, you can, we can, you know, say how many reasons why Eric Bledsoe was a good player and why he was, you know, his time in Milwaukee was well spent. All that stuff. Like he, he undoubtedly had success while in Milwaukee, but. When it came to the playoffs, he was a just an unmitigated disaster, and the Bucks had to play around that in you know in multiple ways, whether it's playing George Hill more minutes or you know, it's I mean you just can never avoid that, and it's why with even with Bogdanovich and everything like that going on, like how they just solves that problem right now. They have other problems that they have to solve, but. You still—it's all about improving the top end of your roster. Where you got—we can say, you know, they have a uh, a massive top four, you know, foundation. And if they can figure out, you know, the other questions in time, then we can start to feel really good about where they are in the East and all of that stuff. But you can't—you couldn't go any further than solving that fundamental problem with Eric Bledsoe and the Bucks
1: at least did that. Yeah, they did. Will we go to the draft now? Let's do it. So I'm trying to think what we had as their picks, because there were some, again, believe it or not, there were some reports that didn't pan out quite the way we expected. Things ended up being, I mean, uncertain. Um, it wasn't entirely clear even on draft night just what picks the books may or may not have had. Was it forty five or forty two? Forty two. They didn't get forty five. Forty five. We thought they might have. No, forty so five.
0: Forty five. They got draft night. So everybody was thinking, "Oh, now we have three picks," but there was no actual confirmation of what that they got the forty second pick.
1: If that makes so sense. So Jordan Wara was picked with which pick? Forty fifth. Right. Okay. So they didn't have forty-two. That's what I was going with. Yeah. So we were like, whatever way that went, they forty-five at sixty are the numbers that ended up mattering, um, and forty-five came from the Magic. Yes. See, you're having to think about this too. This is this is not just me who's doing this off the top of my head and not paying attention <laughs> to every little detail throughout the week. Yeah. So the forty-fifth pick came from the Orlando Magic. The 60th pick was the book's own pick that they had sent to the Pelicans From in Miritich. the Miritich deal that the Pelicans sent back to them in the Drew Holiday deal. So technically, I mean, it's only been and they had to, the last hour that they actually had this pick.
0: Yes, and they had to lift... That's a, This is a side deal, but they had to lift yeah. protections with the Cavaliers. it. yeah as part of the George Hill trade to uh, free up one of the picks that they sent to new Orleans, which, which pick was that again? Believe I'm losing track of all the bucks draft picks that they traded.
1: Um It's easier to keep track of the ones they still have. Yeah. You only need like 22nd or 22nd to uh,
0: 2022.
1: 22. Okay. So yep. draft night comes around. Um, I've say, very different drafting experience for me because I I knew the names of most of the people being drafted, but that's where it kind of ended. There were some interesting, I won't quite say fallers. Um, some players certainly lingering around into mm-hmm. the back end of the first round. Um, some guys we had talked about, whatever that was, a week, 10 days, two weeks ago now, when we... That we
0: were like, oh, they they have a first-off pick, but they're probably yeah. going to trade it. <laughs> yeah,
1: that is when we had talked about. It. So we were then kind of thinking, okay, maybe one of these guys can fall, can fall the way, can be there for them at 45, and that just didn't really quite materialize, certainly for the players that I had my eye on from our previous conversations, from, from the, the bare-bones knowledge I did have Of this particular draft class, would you feel similar on that? Like there wasn't, there were good players still, um, prospects that people were interested in that were still around, but maybe not some that you would necessarily have circled. Certainly in the thinking of the books, potentially having a first round pick.
0: Yeah, I think it it thinned out. I'm trying to remember the last. There was like, I know we talked about like guys like Desmond Bain.
1: Tyrell Terry, who... It was right around the turn of the first to the second. Yeah, round. end
0: of first, start of second, where it kind of like, okay. Guys, I was like, hmm, we'll see. But uh, yeah, they they uh, did not last to 45, not by a long shot.
1: Okay, so then 45 did come around, and um, the books they made their pick. They selected Jordan Wara uh, out of Louisville. Yep. And then, by the time sixty came around, which we were relatively confident at that time, although who knew what could have happened with any trade the books had made, um, they then selected Sam Merrill out of Utah State, right? Yep. Okay, I'm doing well. <laughs> I have watched, I've watched some footage on Jordan Wara, and I've read some stuff. I'm I know a lot more about him than Sam Merrill, so I'm going to lean on you heavily for Sam Merrill um your thoughts though first of all i guess on the the two picks and on the fact like we knew what this roster was going to look like as things stand um and we'll kind of we'll round things out with free agency after we talk draft here but the books of 14 players on the roster and barring a move they're not going to be able to add a 15th player um because of the hard cap so like we want to remove these draft picks from consideration you're down to 12 players you know any injuries factoring in that the likes of Tanasis dj aren't exactly core parts like like we had said all along there are real minutes for draft picks this year if they show anything so with that in mind what's your impression of these two guys being the picks for the books i think
0: well obviously it's kind of like the big picture uh angle of it but like you get shooting you get experience you get guys that can you know theoretically step into a rotation role if they are asked to um nora is from what i've seen i I think it's nora i have to get that down because it sounds
1: like. i've heard it as wara but yeah i've heard it anytime i've heard at the end seems to be completely silent but i'm i'm guessing we will find out for sure but i've heard jordan wara Jordan Wara. Maybe Jordan... that's just the people I've heard say it because it ends his first name ends with an N. Maybe they're just rolling it and it's not really happening. I'm is their not...
0: pronunciation on his Wikipedia page? Let's see. Um There is not. Anyway. No. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think from what I've seen of the Wara pick, uh they essentially were thinking about drafting him at twenty four when they had the pick. So they basically had really? a first on Yeah, that's that's what I've... I think Sam Bassini had that, and I've seen that elsewhere. Um,
1: that's got big they, DJ Wilson energy about it.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's... You certainly feel better about it at 45 than you would have 24, considering some of the guys that were... would have been around it. at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But kind of fits... He, I think he's more. I know a lot of people have kind of uh, glommed on to Merrill and consider he's kind of you know this kind of combo guard that can you know play make, shoot the lights out, uh, very slow. I think he yeah. he's he's uh, I don't, I I don't know. I just keep seeing this like the Duncan Robinson stuff with him, and I'm just like
1: Duncan Robinson can like. Move and take off. We like, well the
0: the thing about Duncan Robinson and why it kind of frustrates me, especially when the Heat were going on the run and stuff like that, and everybody's like, "Where to find the next Duncan Robinson?" It's like the Heat didn't find Duncan Robinson. The, everybody else just passed on him, including the Heat, and they just signed him to a training camp deal for, and then had him in the Jeep like. It's not like they had this. Oh, look at this plan. We're gonna get this guy from Michigan, and he's
1: yeah. He's you separated. don't know till later. Is the point? Yeah, if like you find someone, and eventually, if you're smart enough, you're like, oh, we've really found something, and we should, you know, trust in that.
0: Yeah, like they have the the uh, infrastructure, and they've had the you know the um, uh, what is it?
1: Uh, God, the like culture. Just, is this the word you're looking for? George? Not
0: culture, but just like the track record of developing these undrafted guys. were I mean, there's a that bunch sounds of Sounds like
1: heat culture to me.
0: Yeah, I don't want to say that because I might have to like barf after I do that. <laughs> um, but just they have a track record of developing undrafted guys that become, you know, rotation. Like it was the same thing with like Hassan Whiteside. They everybody yeah. goes crazy where they're like, oh, look at. How did they find him? Well, he well, went to Lebanon. He went. He, yeah. he he like, and they also had him in training camp and cut him. Like, and he went to Memphis and all this stuff. Like, the, we could just like talk of like some of these things just happen by accident, and these guys are undervalued. Granted, like they have to land somewhere. But
1: I'm yeah. proud of proud of how those things happen for the Heat is, um, particularly in recent years, is because they gave absolutely terrible contracts to. Uh, Kelly Olinic, James, Dion Waders, Dion Waiters, Hassan kind of Whiteside. Where you are left scraping the bottom of the barrel to fill out your roster. And that gives you a chance to trust in these guys, give them some more chance. And if you get lucky and you're shrewd, you've a, a higher higher chance of success. But it's certainly not a there's not a formula you can tap into and say we're gonna repeat that. Yeah. I, I Although just think that's the books are imitating them in that way in terms of Hey, we've got no money, and we need to fill the roster. These guys will get opportunity. The books aren't even going to be in a position this year where they can just be like, "Oh, we're cutting that guy and we're bringing this person in." Like it's it's going to be very different. And in terms of if they're looking to maneuver mid-season to make further deals, yeah, that's tricky too. I mean. It's on that front that I think they will work really hard and possibly part with another pick, whatever that is, if it exists.
0: It might um, be for the twenty-one draft because I don't think the Stepien rule would apply. After. Oh, yes,
1: because they're now they're now past that. Yeah,
0: they're past the draft.
1: But they have traded twenty twenty-two.
0: Oh, that's a good point.
1: So they can't. So yeah. they can't trade that until like close to time. Yeah. So. <laughs> The Bucks have traded too many picks, Jordan, for that kind of you know sound standard logic to hold up here, yeah um but they I think they'll try very hard to get off d j Wilson uh, yeah. because he's not useful at that price. They'd be better, I think in this year of all years, like a year where the nBA is making some interesting choices around what it's doing with its season while a pandemic is still going on. <laughs> it's possible you could be down multiple guys would help to have a full roster um they they have filled out their two ways i'll let you talk about the two ways in a second as well because i know you've got some thoughts um but yeah i would still want to try and fill 15 spots if i could or at least have the option to later in the season and not be in a position where it's like well we've got 14 players uh some of them we don't even like and won't be playing but let's see what happens not the best of years for that on various fronts. Even injuries, I mean, with the quick turnaround between what last season to this season, there's yeah. a lot of stuff there. Um so I I really like the look of Jordan Wara. I, I think obviously the thing the books have really gone in on here is shooting with both with both Wara uh, and Merrill. Mm-hmm. Um I there's a bit more Maybe athleticism is pushing it just a little bit further um, or a little bit too far, but there is something like with Jordan War where he can move well, he's got a good physical profile that I could see him rounding out very nicely on both ends and being kind of very productive. I'm not talking about like in any kind of, you know, this guy's got to be a star away, nothing like that, but I can see a path to him being a good contributor. Absolutely um so i'm very much in in favor of that pick from what i've seen
0: yeah i think he he's interesting i like in terms of i mean he's a good shooter that's that much is given um but like if you really think about like they they haven't really had someone of his size and you know firepower behind like middleton or like i know we we talked about like the the kind of like the stretch four archetype where they've gone after guys like Mirza, uh, Mirtich, Ursan obviously kind of applies just because... They all know the same a- player,
1: like all a version of the same guy. Yeah, and I,
0: I would I would venture to say that Nor, Wara, God, Wara is more towards that than a kind of, I don't know, a Tobias Harris type, if that makes sense, where he's, I think he's going to be more reliant on... His shooting off the ball, then obviously the the role that he had at Louisville. I think he had like some like twenty seven point eight usage percentage in his last two years or something like that. Like he's not going to have the same offensive responsibilities that he had in Louisville. And defensively, like he's very he's very big and strong. Like I think he I don't know it's this is <laughs> this is banking out a lot and kind of him being a you know committed defender and. Uh, you know locking out that way but I, I I have more faith in him being able to slot up in terms of a lineup than have him play like at the three where you know you, you there's just so many different types of players that could, you would be able have to be guarding that I think he has more ability to kind of just hold his own especially guys that are stronger. Maybe a little more taller, have more size than he does. Like, I think I can see the outline of him being like the stretch forward type that they've really wanted to hit on for the last couple of years and through various circumstances have not, besides like Ursan.
1: I, I see what you're saying with the stretch forward because he is a shooter and his shooting is good. Like, so yeah. instantly that brings it into that. There's something about. I guess his mix of physical attributes that bring something a bit different, a bit Swiss Army knife-esque, that I I think he could be just something a little bit different to that too. I don't, I'm not finding a really, I'm struggling to find a player comp or a kind of a smooth and easy way to categorize him. He's a tweener. Like he is a 3-4 tweener and I think he will play at both of those spots and the reality of the books roster right now, particularly if they don't find a way to open up two spots and maybe um, move to address the, the front court half we'll say of their roster um, mm. just a little bit more. There's going to be opportunity at both the three and the four for him. I mean, he really doesn't have a whole lot of competition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Bobby Portis. Thanasis. Bobby Portis is
1: gonna be Bobby Portis is gonna be a five. Like, there's no doubt about that. He has to be a five. Yeah, DJ Wilson. You've, you've got DJ and Tanasis at the four. Um, Tori Craig at the three will play. Will be ahead of him. But yeah. I, I mean, Tori Craig could end up playing some two. I would actually kind of like to see him play quite a bit of two. It's maybe a conversation for a different day. He could end up playing some four at times. Um. I think for better or very likely for worse, we'll probably see Pat at the tree consistently this year. That might be. I think with the with the makeup of their backcourt, I think with having you've got Drew Holiday, you've got Augustin, then you've got Dante. I'm not sure how much of any game you're not going to have at least at least one of those three, but. Probably two of those tree at most times on the floor. Yeah, I think there's a good chance Pat's minutes could end up being at the tree.
0: Yeah,
1: like they they've <laughs> got to try some stuff out, be creative, and I don't necessarily think it's going to be very pretty at those spots. No, uh, but that's but I mean, that's I think the reality. At this point, you it, t- right? you
0: have to take your lumps if you really are committed to, you know, uh, fixing. They're kind of, uh, what is it, static, or just not, just not really veering from their you know base scheme defensively. Um,
1: yeah, there's also an element of that with just your your roster uh, makeup, I suppose. Where yeah. for as many problems as say people might have had with Earthson, or even someone like Sterling, like we've talked about this since and I still see like particularly when things looked even more grim than they ended up being with the ups and downs of the past week and conversation like turned to, well, what's the books bench and what's their depth look like? What's their depth look like compared to last year? Like the reality is their depth last year was terrible. Um And yep. we can only say that after the fact, because it was showing up in the playoffs. Yep. But what they did have, and it certainly worked for a lot of the regular season, and it certainly gave an illusion that it could be much more effective than it was, is they had really nice tidy fits, like on a depth chart, where you're like, they have all the positions covered with players who on their day could be useful. They're not going to have that this year. And that's Mm going to, it's going to force them into creativity. It's going to force them into tougher spots. I do think it will force like a complete revisiting of minutes distribution and maybe that is by design but with the way the roster is you know what the way the roster has been constructed at this point like i don't think bud could go and do the same thing he did last year this is not a challenge Bud. um but i don't think he could go and do that in quite the same way in the playoffs next year Mike I just Bo- do really
0: do defensive versatility challenge is that the meme <laughs> is that the meme that kids are doing
1: I don't know, Jordan. Uh, they do it better than you just did. If it yeah, is. But, I, I uh, just
0: fumbled it. Much like the Buck Donovan signing, I fumbled it
1: <laughs> all the way around. Okay, the two, or I guess Sam Merrill, because I don't have a whole lot there, but your thoughts. I mean, what I, my thoughts are from what I've read, what I've seen, which is somewhat limited, that great shooter, good feel for the game. Painfully slow. Like I am an exceptionally slow human being. I don't know if I'm slower than Sam Merrill. He he may be the <laughs> slowest. He may be the slowest guard in the NBA. I, I certainly say. of his age range. Yeah. Like and he was is the oldest not,
0: prospect of the, of this class too.
1: Is that not just a colossal obstacle that's very difficult to overcome and be a contributor? um like there's certain there's certain athletic limitations that are maybe overplayed i think particularly with a shooter in the nba you need to be able to get away from your defender so you've got a okay you're a spot-up shooter you're gonna to have to run off screens if you're just slow i don't know if you'll get separation i don't know if you'll get to your spot where you get a nice clean look i, I just think that's uh I think it's it's much more difficult in theory for him to work out in the NBA um, with the kind of combination of skills and weaknesses that he has. Now, I am, with the caveat, I'm saying that with the caveat that I am not an expert on him. So someone else may be completely convinced, may be able to convince me, tell me otherwise, and I may end up falling head over heels for Sam Merrill's game once the season starts. But I, I do think that, the things that are mostly being talked for positives and negatives with him, um, not ideal for an NBA player. And I don't think necessarily conducive to here's someone who will be able to contribute. It's a really tough road. It's a tough road for any 68 overall pick, but I think there may have been options that would have been more logical, more obvious. We need someone who can play. This is what they can do or may be able to do that. The books could have gone to.
0: Yeah, I, I think I mean, I'm right there with you. I really like his fit. I think he out of all the teams, I know San Ficini has kind of uh pumped him up as like, you know, one of the better sleeper prospects in this class. But that also comes with real obstacles in terms of being an NBA caliber player, to see the floor. We know the bar for entry to give minutes with Mike Boonholzer is being able to compete defensively and from what I've seen I think Merrill is a smart player all around it's just you know he has very physical and athletic limitations and for all the good that he can bring to the Bucks in terms of be able to shoot to the high level that they really need especially after the last couple seasons just kind of seeing the limits to just yeah you can shoot as many threes as you want but are they going in at a you know an acceptable rate that 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 was still a question even after last year. Um, he's helped solve some of that, but he only solves that if he plays minutes and can establish himself within the Bucks, you know, foundation. I'm sure you know we have no idea what the G League is going to be, but if it was a nor- if we're operating under normal circumstances, I would have probably bet on him playing more with the herd this year than with the Bucks. I,
1: but- I just. Even that, though, right? So, we have no idea what the G E will be. But I mean, we we briefly ended up kind of touching on this last time too. The fact that we have no idea what it will be at this point make leads me to believe it's not going to be much of anything. Like if the yep. if the wheels aren't fully in motion, and we don't know that in a public sense now, it's not going to happen. And there may not, be G8 no way... showcase. There may I be a bubble, we... like you mentioned, but yeah. that's only going to be a month long thing. And yeah, it's, it's going like to be, busy. if you're you're in the bubble, you're in the bubble. You're not, like, in the bubble, the books call you, and you're hopping from city to city. Like, that's one, that's a fantasy in our current world. So, even if it does find a way to happen this year, it just wouldn't function in the way that you would like it to, and that you could use with a player like him.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, That that's a whole separate issue with the G League and stuff like that, but, like, it just kind of shows you, you know, you, you don't have the kind of the, the playing ground with, you know, trying to see, well, how does Sam Merrill play up to G League standards after, you know, being a very, very good college player in, you know, kind of a, not mid major, but like the Mountain West is not, you know, the ACC kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I know a lot of Bucks fans are very excited about him, but it's best to, it's, these guys are second round picks for a reason and they fill needs and all that stuff. But like, it's, it's a long road until we can say like they can bank on Sam Merrill being anything of note to them in terms of winning a title at, you know, the, the reason why the Bucks are in this position to begin with. So yeah, I think great player. I'm glad that they got him. I think, I think you know, we'll see what his contract looks like, but it could be just, you know, it's, it has to be at the minimum. Um, but yeah, it's we're a long ways away in terms of saying or seeing him really, really affect what the Bucks can do this year.
1: Okay, the two ways. Do you want to? Do you have anything you want to say in the two ways? Uh, really, given as we just said with the G League, I mean, the two ways may just be Bucks players this year, and I think certainly that's true of one of them.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, Jalen Adams essentially is this year's Frank Mason. Um. Finished runner up. He was the second or the runner up in MVP voting last year behind Frank. Um, I know he got signed with the Blazers as like their substitute for I think it was Trevor Reza in the going in the bubble and stuff like that. I think he's he kind of I mean, he's kind of in this you know, too good for G, the G League, but maybe not good enough for the NBA kind of realm that we've seen with two way guys and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, But he can play. He's really, really good, and I think he's still very small. I think he's kind of a more athletic Sam Merrill, really, where he can just shoot the lights out. And you know, you can bank or like if they need spot minutes, where you know they're going to take it easy with DJ Augustine. You know, considering his age or whatever, or with Holiday, we know how the Bucks operate in terms of they're not going to overextend their players they like to keep a deep rotation and that obviously burns them when it matters most but still in this season of all seasons you're going to have to take that into account and you know we saw a little bit of him last training camp i think that was he was one of their exhibit 10 signings and that you know paid the way for him to join the herd and he was he was really good i thought he was actually maybe more deserving of mvp if they hadn't you know if if they were kind of not banking on like the two-way player or like appearances and all that stuff because he was more with the herd throughout the year and averaged like 24 25 and 5 and two steals and shot like as good as Frank Mason I'd have to see his shooting splits but it was something crazy good and if you just need a good a, a guard to rely on on you know a night here or there over the course of this season where it's 72 games and over how many months, like five months, it's going to be a, sh- going to be a shorter season in terms of the months being played, but there's more games in between that. Um, Yeah. I think, I think it's a perfect two way guy that they can bring in and kind of, you know, do what they did with Frank last year,
1: which wasn't a lot really in the end. No. no yeah. He played uh... like
0: 150 minutes or
1: something like that. Do you think he lands in the NBA?
0: I hope so. so I don't know why,
1: but I, I'm not entirely sure.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things where... I don't know. I, I really don't know. It if, seems crazy a, that
1: someone's not taking a flyer on... Just who he was anyway, and his pedigree, and his feel for the game. Like... Dating back quite a while now, and even when he has had NBA opportunities, whether that's like brief opportunities yeah, with the books or when he's with the Kings, up. like he looks good. He, you know, he looks the part. He can get out there for all of the really physical limitations of what we're talking about again, and not being a a dead eye shooter by any stretch of the imagination. Like he can play, and now being a G League MVP, you would have thought that someone would. I think. Not the, I
0: honestly think. I mean, the team that needed him the most was the team that, you know, pulled their qualifying offer for him. That that's Yeah, and it, that's the cap element break. at
1: work. Like, yep. I think in a vacuum, it's like, if they were able to make these choices, it's like, is Frank Mason or Sam Merrill more useful to them next season? The answer is very clear on that to me. It's Frank Mason, but they just couldn't necessarily work things that way anyway. Yep. And the other two-way slot, Mamadi Diakite, right?
0: Yes, that's perfect.
1: And it wasn't even the pronunciation I was checking on as much as there were rumors EJ Montgomery was going to have this slot, right? Is he on yeah, a that,
0: that training was...
1: camp deal or an Exhibit 10? Which, well, Again, like this is the thing with the G League not being... Like not us not knowing if it's happening. Like what is the point of an exhibit ten this year, and particularly for the books?
0: Yeah, I mean, especially exhibit ten, and there's there's obviously a use for two way guys just because of you know how that is. But I, I have no idea. I don't think even the Bucks know because what <laughs> what happened? Well, seriously, like what happens when? you sign these guys to come into camp and just basically, you know, we need a, we need five on five for, you know, four units, basically. And then you just cut that's them. That's a very then, good point. That's a very it, good point. You cut them and then, are they playing this year? Are they just going to go back to Europe? Like, it's basically just kind of like, yeah, you're coming to Milwaukee for a month and...
1: They're basically signing ringers for training camp. Like,
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's essentially what it is. it is. It's just kind of... It doesn't help that the Bucks are already kind of, you know, uh, have had a week of just like, what's going on? Is Sterling Brown a restricted free agent? What's going on with Bogdan? All this stuff. And then it's on top of like. Listen,
1: listen. You were the only person who but was it, like.
0: <laughs> like, that was. I mean, that. I need. We needed to know. You were really like, asking
1: was, me if I could ask people. Uh, you were. <laughs> Put it out there publicly, just as in, you know, can anyone please? It was a plea for help. Yep. Uh, Keith Smith eventually answered for you. Uh, and that's the that information came out then that he was, in fact, unrestricted, Sterling. He's now a Houston Rocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, to do a brief roundup, Wes uh, matches is a Laker. Rather Maybe that's time. something we talk about another day, Wes. Going being a Laker, I leaves me a little bit cold. I have to say how all of that played out and a lot of things being said, and then I think you
0: might feel the same.
1: I I think this is really being overdone by books fans. This thing that he should feel wronged. He went to sign for the champions, and the champions who for, but again he- a conversation we'll have for another day who have. I think got significantly better. I know you don't entirely agree with that.
0: I feel better. I feel I they I Gasol yeah. has maybe warmed you up on them a bit. Gasol's a, gonna be more useful than Trez.
1: Oh, no doubt. But having Gasol and Trez instead of like Dwight Howard and yeah. maybe, it's a it's a conversation for another day. That I I'm honestly I uh, Wes Matthews making that decision makes leaves me incredibly cold. Um, but
0: but look at who the Bucks signed with a biannual. Well,
1: that's something we'll get to. They, they could have easily let my if, talks... they,
0: if they were very if they were locked in and signing or resigning West, they would have done the same deal. And I don't. But well, we, why
1: do why do we assume that that's the way that this went? Why do we? Because they were
0: I. Well, I why, mean,
1: why don't we say one? He opted out. So. How don't we know that he didn't hear, oh, you know, LeBron and AD want you with the Lakers. Uh, One of, obviously, the most prestigious franchises there is. One of, really, the two, if not really just the number one, regardless of, you know, any time or place, any level of competitiveness. And then add to that, they are actually the defending champions. They are as much of a lock as anyone else to be right there in the mix again next year. So, like, why don't we assume... I I don't get the the kind of the books. Oh well, if if he knew he was going to get this or he's in the mix for this, he may have just decided. Actually, no, I want to go and play with the Lakers. Like there's there's a part of that we should maybe just I guess shrug our shoulders and it's somewhere in the middle and we don't know for sure. Yeah, but I I've seen a lot of the one side of that, which is well, you know. Oh, maybe he felt slighted because he didn't play X amount of time in the in the playoffs. Which we're overstating that he he played he played plenty. There were brief but crucial moments where he didn't play. <laughs> we know this, but he did. It's not like he was logging DMPs in the playoffs. No. Like he played that's they, so far from he the was case. Playing like
0: how he was in the regular season.
1: It just yeah. I I don't think he necessarily even will have felt. I'm sure he wanted to be in those games, but there were plenty of times in the regular season where he wouldn't be in closing lineups. Yeah. So, yeah, I think strategic mistakes were made. I don't think there's anything that he should be like, well, I'm out of here if they're not playing me. I don't know if he's going to be playing a whole lot in those kind of settings with the Lakers. No, I, but, I don't think so either. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's two parts to that, and I think it's possible that he might have just decided, you know what, I want to leave the Bucs and go and sign for the Lakers – and if that's the case for the hometown guy and someone who was very likable and a key part of the team last year, I honestly find that quite disappointing. But this is free agency; this is life. Yep. Um, Rolo Rolo signed for the Wizards on a very good deal for him. <laughs> good for Robin. Yep. Not so sure if it's good for the Wizards. Um. Yeah, there was a, you and I had a conversation privately because there was some reporting that the, the main reason he opted out was he didn't want to be traded. Makes and sense. Very sensible because if he had opted in, he would have been traded and would have had no control over his destiny. So he may have opted out thinking, you know, I'd like to come back to the books. He probably did, but they were never going to be paying him any kind of money beyond the minimum at that point. And fair play, well done. He managed to actually go out and get a... Not just a better deal, a much better deal um to go and play in Washington. So good for good for Ro. Uh Sterling is a rocket.
0: Yep. One That's a minimum deal. deal, right? Yeah.
1: I wasn't entirely sure if he was gonna land somewhere. Um I think the last few months won't have done him any harm just in terms of his profile has raised. I think people can certainly kind of buy into his character and the idea of him as someone who's principled and guys will respect like walking into the locker room on that immediately before even anything else. But I'm not entirely sure just how long Sterling's game. I think he'll need to maybe a change of scenery. He'll be really good and effective with the Rockets. Uh, He could be a good fit there, but that's depending on what the Rockets look like, what happens there and who knows. But, okay, good for him. Who am Mm -hmm. I missing? Um, Korver's
0: TBD. His last known whereabouts was literally the Vatican.
1: Yes, it was. um, Stavis Sterling. With Sterling. (laughs) Sterling wore tux. I don't know if you saw that.
0: Oh, I did not.
1: (laughs) Um, He at least had a bow tie, so it was the more formal look than anyone else. Everyone else... uh, was definitely black suit, but he went one step for, further and he had a bow tie. Um, Was Mark Pope there?
0: Former Bucks legend Mark Pope? The media of the Popes?
1: I don't believe he was, Jordan. Ah, uh, gotcha. I think, actually, water-
0: Mark Pope is the Utah State coach who coached Samuel.
1: Oh, the they should have sent him. And really, Caldwell Pope should have gone as well, <laughs> exactly. just for photographs. They're, you know? yeah. They're missing There's- a trick there. Like Marco Bellinelli I'm assuming got to go uh, because he's the BYU Italian?
0: coach I'm off damn it
1: uh, mm. who was was uh, Joe Bellomboy? was he BYU no Elijah Bryant
0: was BYU
1: that's right Ballonboy was uh, Weber State yep
0: yep
1: um, okay we were getting sidetracked now when we're talking <laughs> about where Elijah Bryant and Joe Ballonboy went to college uh, that's the books that we know of, right? That's all of them. Cover is TBD. I mean, yeah,
0: same with Mason. Obviously,
1: I think if the books free up two spots and money, I think Cover is back.
0: Did you see the Batum rumor for the books? They're one of the I, six teams that have reached out to him.
1: Oh, I saw that, but I, I even though he's
0: anymore. not technically waived yet, that there's. He's still the, a Hornet, but it's kind of weird.
1: I'd be very much in favor of that. Like a very, very good player who... His contract has certainly dragged him down. And yeah. led to a lot of somewhat... I mean, it's fair. You signed the contract, I guess. You got to perform to it. But then he didn't offer himself that contract. Um, and then his health has been an issue too. But if they could... Do that. We're talking about like what their kind of their rotation looks like from the bench, the three and four spots. So like, add Nick Batum. That's a, a kind of no brainer for me.
0: I uh, yeah. I mean, I I would think I, it, he would be more interesting than just signing like okay, let's just have like a backup center that's not going to play valuable minutes or meaningful minutes, really. Like I, I could a- see I
1: could see a Corver and Batum if they if they say if they got to move DJ Wilson I could see that being how the the roster rounds out, yeah. Um, which okay, I'll be fine with it. I I do think like your point about center is right. I'm not. We're gonna get into other free agents. I'm not particularly thrilled uh, with Bobby Portis. I'm not particularly excited about that. And I think they're leaving themselves in a in an interesting position. Like you're leaning very heavily into okay, <laughs> we're, we're going
0: to go. I on Bobby Portis. It's, that's basically their position, and it's a very uh, scary like what one. if Brook
1: gets injured for like two weeks at the worst possible? Or time. they
0: yeah, it's like a rest night. Are we? We're watching
1: Bobby Portis?
0: <laughs> I can't even finish that question without laughing.
1: <laughs> that's a, that does concern me. Um yeah. so if I don't know who's out there though in terms of bigs, even that like I, I don't know what the alternative would be if they were to sign a big. So I think if they do free up roster spots, I'd expect maybe a big wing and a a forward who can play both spots. Yeah. Oh, although, yeah, I mean Positionally, how are you viewing Diakite now?
0: Oh, he's—I think he's straight up a center for them. Um, I think he's honestly a better defender than what I've seen with Bobby Portis. <laughs> it's the offense that's more of a worry, but he's far more interesting defensively.
1: Um, well, I guess that if 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 they see him the same that he's a center, well then. Yeah, that would that would make sense. That a Portis is a center. Portis is a center for the books. Um, they're viewing him as a, I guess, a center who can space the floor and do things offensively. Something of a Brooke proxy. Except let's just not consider it the other end of the floor, where Brooke is maybe at his most valuable. <laughs> yeah. Because those two things are not the same. Um, I mean,
0: look at how what happened last year. He literally couldn't hit a shot before the season shut down, and. Was arguably having a better season because of just how impactful he was defensively.
1: Let's, that might be, let's go that that the might be a little exaggeration. Creative. Well, we'll start with Portis. So Portis, his deal is two years, seven and a half million, so biannual.
0: Cortez has a player option on a two-year deal, the horse special.
1: Everyone has a player option except
0: it's either player option or there's a non-guarantee with Augustine.
1: Actually, no, everyone does. Pat has a player option, right? Yep. Bryn Forbes? Player option. I could just name them all, and you're going to say player option after the names. Um, except for Augustine, who is non-guaranteed.
0: Yeah, and they traded for a guy that has a player option, too, with Drew.
1: <laughs> okay, so... Which you know, on the one hand that can work out okay. The other part of this is let's say this team works, you're right back where you were next year. Like yep. There's part of this sometimes you gotta be like, that's a good deal, I like it. How about we try and not have a player option? I think you know, this I think though, some like of, some of those guys they could have gotten. Like maybe others they couldn't. I would have liked Tori Craig without a player option. And maybe Tory Craig
0: I don't know, actually he's the one that his deals, it's obviously for the minimum, if it's a one year, it's obviously there's no player option. Um,
1: but I think it's two years. I, is it two years? Pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I saw two years, but it's almost certainly player option. <laughs> like, if it is two years, it's of course it will be player option.
0: But I think this is, though, this is where, like, whether, how, we have no idea, like you said, talking about Bogdanovich, like how serious he was to come to Milwaukee. We know all the stuff that's around it, all the smoke and everything like that with the recruiting and everything. But in terms of optics, and you see something like this where the Bucks publicly lose out on the second best restricted free agent on the market. Brendan Ingram has still not signed, but that's who we're talking about here with Bogdan Bogdanovich. If you're agents around the league, you're just salivating at how you can put the Bucks over a barrel. I mean, Pat's negotiations in itself just show how. I mean, there's another layer on that because yeah, of there, why. there's a different
1: reason why that leverage really happened, though. But like of the books doing, but yeah. I mean, what you're saying is true, but it's also not true because you can't you can't hold the books over the barrel because there's nothing left in the barrel. Like they can't yeah, give uh, anyone. Yes and anything. no. I think
0: I mean the fact that. They have options on all, like, any guy that could be traded for something of value went with combining salaries and everything like that.
1: Like, I don't know how resistant the books are to options on any of those, though. Like, from where I am, I, I think they actually, in fact, want options. It's just the argument would be, well, fight for some team options. Um, don't let them all be player options. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's just the the nature of how the roster is now built and how they're filling things around, around that and how there's always the potential that every summer, and particularly next summer, at least at this time, um, there could be all sorts of change and uncertainty. And that is also for those players, you've got to think. Yeah. The conversation goes, has Giannis signed yet? Not yet. We expect him to. Okay, well, until he's signed, I want to have a player. But it they can opt out and
0: get a better, better deal for Milwaukee.
1: Well, not even that. Just opt out and go play somewhere else. Like, yeah. if if he's not here, I don't want to be here. Like, there's gotta be a strong element of that too. So yeah. I kind of I get it. It is, it is to the point and has been for a long time. Um, more so than this off season. Like this off season, I get it for all these guys. But Horst was letting everyone have player options from long before he necessarily needed to, or even that it was serving those players for the best.
0: True. Yeah, I mean, his first deal, Tony Snell had a player option.
1: Tony Snell, now an official member of the box club. Yep. So, okay, Portis, we mentioned his deal. Uh, I, I find this deal completely uninspiring. I find the signing uninspiring. What I say is give me Harry Giles. That's who I would have given this contract to. I don't care that he can't shoot. I think more interesting player. Uh, considerably more interesting player just in terms of range of skills, in terms of what you could do with him. Uh, it is funny to all these years later and then particularly when, like, just cleaned out of every draft pick, the books finally land the guy who there was the kind of the decision over when they drafted Rashad Vaughn mm-hmm. in a move that is not entirely, like, it's something of a turning point for wasting picks um, and for not hitting on guys and leading them to the particularly tough spot they find themselves in now. So the fact that they... A lot of people wanted Portis at the time. I think he was the most popular pick among books fans at that time. Um, I don't know. Were you Were you in on Portis? I know I wasn't. I wanted Kevon Looney in that draft.
0: I might have been so, on the Portis train. Maybe someone else that I'm misremembering. Justin Anderson was kind of a guy that I was like, oh, he's kind
1: of interesting. I'm definitely, I wasn't there then and I don't there's no reason to have warmed up to more now. For me, I I like just the idea that the team is good as the books, were like, okay um, what are we going to do with one of the biggest chips we have this offseason? And ended up signing Bobby Portis is kind of alarming to me. Yep. I I just don't know, like, what is the... What do you expect him to do in any kind of high-profile matchup, business end of the season? The answer to that may actually be we don't expect him to do anything. We expect that when Brook's not on the floor, we are going to be playing Giannis at centre this year. And that's fine, but if that is the case, well, then don't use the biannual exception on a a big who doesn't play defense, who you're not going to be able to have in those lineups.
0: It's, it's the same. It, it's kind of the same problem that they have with Rolo, but on a bigger, Rolo was, was a little <gasps> bit reversed, more reverse
1: Reversed in terms of um, the side of the floor they can contribute, but I would. Yes, yeah. I'd rather have Rolo back than have Bobby Portis. I would have much preferred Robin to opt in than have Bobby Portis.
0: I think I would have preferred Robin to opt in for other reasons for trade purposes. (laughs) But yeah, I I think I kind of agree with you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, I mean, we'll just say I have question marks over too. I, I expect the books have a much better feel for, he has been on like universally terrible teams
0: that's the that's the biggest problem, is that, like, what does Bobby Portis look like on a team that actually needs to win?
1: Yeah, well, there's one of two things that happened there. One is that he's just so much better. Uh, he's, like, reinvigorated or re-maybe, you know, unnecessary. there invigorated by the challenge of actually being on a good team, having guys who are driven competing and have a chance to win, and he looks like a different player. The other side of it is, like, there could be... What are we five years of five seasons of terrible habits built up there?
0: That's yeah. And, that's that's the big worry.
1: You know as much as I can't say that there hadn't been moments where I would have liked to punch Nikola Miritich.
0: Oh, big uh sorry. Go on. News of the Heat are in the process of extending Bay Matabaio's contract.
1: Hmm. Jordan, that's not really big news. <laughs> yeah it is. It's not I expect that. Yeah,
0: but they you not the, no, the, no, it, I am very surprised cuz it You're surprised. Yeah, cuz of the difference of the cap hold with Oh, was
1: it for Yanis purpose? Yes, yes. Well, maybe that's just, you know, maybe words out in the streets, Jordan. Um when you say at this moment of time though, when you're like big news I know. <laughs> My mind wasn't I'm really sorry, going to Bam Adebayo. But yeah, okay, I see the angle you're taking for a big big news and relevant to us. Um yeah, as as much as I have a times wanted to punch Nikola Miritich, um, I was not being paid <laughs> millions of dollars to be his teammate and then decide to do it and break his jaw. Like I don't know what I don't know, maybe that makes Bobby Portis a hero instantly when he walks into the books facility. Maybe there's just cheering crowds, socially distanced, maybe, wearing masks, but cheering crowds all the same, uh, particularly after some of the things Miritich has said since leaving the books. But, like, there are, I have question marks there. And then also, I mean, I just don't believe that he can shoot. Like, part of if you're going to go and get a guy like that...
0: I, see, I believe he can shoot. I think it's... it's We're talking about the bad habits of, like, is he just going to be a guy that thinks that he... This offense centers around him? That kind of thing? Where he... It's just kind of... I, that's where I'm like... Ugh.
1: Yeah, it's a very different role for him in terms of usage. Um, uh, look, we'll see. I'm not crazy about it. Uh, a deal I'm much higher on, and I kind of wanted all, all along, and I think you disagree with me on this one, is DJ Augustine. So DJ Augustine, three years, 21 million, most of the mid-level. Not all of yeah, it, most, most of yeah. it. Um, that proved to be important because of other messes that we'll get to soon that the books made where they needed to dip into what was left, right? Yeah. Well, they, did, they had bird rights anyway, so not necessarily. But I think DJ Augustin is a very good player. Has been very good against the books in recent years. Has long looked like a player who, like a logical fit in Milwaukee. I, at one point, I think I may have talked about it on this podcast, would have seen a path where he may have ended up being the book starting point guard this season. Or if it was just you know, get rid of Bledsoe, fill out the roster, he could have been the sort of player that they ended up signing and he could have been a starter. He started with the magic and being good as a starter, not on a very good team, albeit, but good as a starter for quite a while. Uh, He's a good passer, great feel for the game. He can shoot. Size and defensive concerns are there, but you're going to have enough players to cover that up. Like, he's going to be with... Drew they or Dante in the backcourt at all times. Um, yep. I I really... I'm quite happy with this signing. Now, he is 32, I think. 33. Is he 33? Yep. Why are they giving him three years, then? <laughs> so, well, 30 years is not guaranteed, so...
0: It's, well, just it, it's, yeah, it's still there.
1: Like, they, they're talking about, we may want to pay you $7 million when you're 36. Which I don't think they will. I mean, it's
0: essentially this. It's it's basically the George Hill contract from last year. Less money. That's true. But that's true. Flexibility. I think George Hill is the same age too. He's going to be playing George Hill's position.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's true. I mean, you're you're. I know you're not as enthusiastic about this as I am. So
0: I well. I mean... <laughs> I know we have talked privately and I was like the fact that the Bucks offseason or plan B was contingent on signing DJ Augustine to most of the MLE was not the most uh um thrilling aspect, but I have kind of cooled my skepticism and in terms of what they needed, I think he's I think he was the most
1: uh He's what like the that. best get they could kind of get at that.
0: Yeah, if the, if you're looking for that, a guy right? that can bring the same George Hill type thing, like he's there wasn't another point guard option out there that they could reasonably get. Is it, Jeff Teague not not even close to it? Like
1: it's Jeff Teague, as uh, someone who, yeah, you know better than me. I, I n- not just that though. I really liked. Jeff Teague, like Jeff Teague, the person, Jeff Teague, the player. There's that stuff I really like. Like I, I would be biased and there is no comparison in who Jeff Teague is as a player now and who DJ Augustine is. Augustine is much better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, yep. I, I think this is what it's, it certainly, it, he's going to be their, you know, fifth or sixth most, most important person to, uh, their you know championship to... hopes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, is now the time for Pat Conlon? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Pat's back, which yes. we bought like we both like Pat as uh, a podcast. I would
0: say.
1: Yeah, I actually think that's the case. Um, look, he's a role player, and he's flawed as role players are. There's going to be no dispute about that. There are times where Pat Connaughton should be on the floor. There are times where Pat Connaughton should be like glued firmly to the bench. Um, But I I think largely a positive for the Bucs deal. They'd like to think they've repeated, like with some of these signings, if they could have some of those guys just turn out to be very positive presences around the team, well-liked. Uh, cope and contribute from time to time, can slot into a rotation. Like, on minimum deals, this is the dream scenario for these kind of flyers. It gets tougher when they do show something and then you're on to next contract. Um, this wasn't all that painful to begin with. It was a bit surprising. It came out fast and like, okay, they're re-signing Pat. Okay uh that's not the minimum
0: it was like friday night and i think wes and Rolo had been signed at that point
1: yeah and uh, maybe that also fed into uh is there a bit of panic here (laughs) um guys are going guys are going okay what are we gonna do that's just a timing thing really more than necessarily anything that's actually grounded in reality but yeah okay so this is where I'm going to lean on you because you may actually have written about this, or you probably remember more. Can you remember the progression of contract offers?
0: First one was two year, eight point three million dollars with a second uh, player option. In the second year, turns out, uh, I woke up like early Saturday morning because you know free agency is going crazy. Um, turns out that. Uh, Yeah, that's a deal that cannot happen under the CPA. You can't have, especially with, because of his early bird rights. Early bird, yeah. Yep. You can't have an option on a two year deal. So that breaks out. I think it was Woj like Saturday afternoon, maybe like two, three o'clock or something like that. Like tweets out three year. Yeah, well, just
1: to rewind slightly, because the progression of this was okay, that was announced um then i had seen some kind of some rumbling start to come out on books twitter that okay this is not a legal deal they're gonna have to go back readjust this um then right around that same time john hollinger in his kind of his running diary running piece yeah his diary of sorts for the athletic he wrote about this in as unflattering terms as you possibly could about the books and the books front office.
0: I mean, who hasn't read a, an unflattering <laughs> piece about the books front office before? Well, it was
1: incredibly damning and it was right to be. And the, yeah. the other points, I mean, it was bringing up just the failure to utilize possible trade exceptions that were out there for them last year. And basically, just looking at like these small things that might seem small, but. You know, a year on, that trade exception could have been very important. It tried to make deals happen, and it's just this kind of constant mismanagement. So, yeah, he was looking at, okay, well, this means this is how they've kind of snookered themselves. They will have to go back to the table. Who knows what that ends up being? And really, considering nothing else had resolved itself for the books in terms of anything kind of, you know, the rest of the roster, which really came in a short, sharp burst the next day. Um, it was not good at all. Following on from the Bogdan thing, and again, they may not have had any part in that, and Bogdan may never have been something that they felt was as real as certainly everyone else did once it was reported by Woj. It combined for just the, the worst possible scenario. Like, disastrous optics. You're trying to convince Giannis to stay, and... A guy who he has a good relationship to, a very good player. Oh, one moment it's reported he's signing, then he's not signing. The league are opening a tampering investigation. And you're never going to get a player as good as that onto your roster again, in terms of like as a fifth guy. So that ship has sailed. And then a day later, it's coming out. Oh, great. You're bringing back, you know, this guy. But the front office is like incompetent, doesn't know what it can or can't offer then has to go back and renegotiate, offer more money, leaving them in the spot they're in now, where they are with 14 players on the roster and they don't have enough room to add a 15th under the hard cap. So, yeah, not good. And three years, 15 million for Pat Connaughton is generous. He was
0: already, he was already making... He already got a raise under... A deal that is illegal in the CBA, and then on top of that, he gets another raise. So he gets like three. Was it? He was making like two point something million under his previous 2. deal. 1, so he makes like maybe two hundred fifty percent more than what he did last deal.
1: Yeah, he's just basically he's got a bumper payday and a raise that I don't think his play had earned. Certainly. Not his postseason play, and yeah. that's not ideal. There is another part to this conversation though, which is as I mean, like he is, he's been a popular figure in the locker room. I ter- certainly think he's someone just in terms of trying to set out. Oh, we've built this culture, and this is this is what it's about to be a book. And let's not forget, like insane like roster turnover this year. So the books are going to be very very different. So I'm not saying that all of the guys they brought in aren't just going to click into what was the existing culture straight away. Uh, We've already talked about at least one player, though, who may have difficulty in fully kind of getting just hit the ground running. Oh, I'm on a good team. This is what it's like. We know Pat is a gym rat. We know that in being that, he has built a very close relationship with Giannis. Mm -hmm. If Giannis wants Pat back and it costs five or three years, sixteen million, well that's you know, great business. Um if that's not the case though, and that's not something that helps to get the, the signature on, on the contract in the next two, three weeks, well that's a very different story. I mean the one thing that can be said for this is it's not like for whatever he it is, it's it's a very easily movable contract. It's a filler contract. The books haven't had filler contracts, which has made it very difficult to make trades. Mm -hmm. You know, having DJ Augustin, Pat Connaughton, these kind of guys on the deals they're on, like there are easier paths to six months from now, a year from now, the books making a deal that they were really struggling to do last year. And on that front, it may end up not being all that bad, but uh, Pat was certainly the big winner in those negotiations. It absolutely wasn't the books.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's the thing about any talk about it I mean, people are going to be crappy on Pat no matter what. But where all this lies is on uh the Bucks fraud office. It's not Pat's fault that they gave him a deal that they couldn't legally do. That's not his fault at all. It's it just makes it that much more uh, just yeah, the optics the the last the last week for uh, of Bucks optics has, has not been uh stellar, let's just say.
1: it's been very much in line with the past 50 years, we could say um which in, in some ways like it's that's the thing is it's been a blow to much of the good work that has been done in recent years and like with the team on the rise for all of the bad decisions. They mostly managed to fly under the radar in the moment. Uh this week, like all eyes on the books for Yannis related reasons and a couple of things that just really did not go well in that front. Yep. Okay, uh two players left. I think. Yeah. Uh Bryn Forbes. One I've seen lots of people celebrate. I again I am not. Not particularly convinced by this signing. It's not what I would have done. Very good shooter. He is undersized. He can't defend. Not the greatest of playmakers. I mean, it doesn't hurt you. Like, it's like signing Pat Conanton on his last deal. There's possibly some upside there. But I do think the Bucks may struggle to find the moments when they can get him on the floor. Even for Pat, for his defensive issues, uh, he has some quickness, he has athleticism. You can paper over some of that, or you can at least convince yourself that he can be more competitive and he can be. Like, uh, the biggest thing he does to hurt himself is frequently just like constantly running and jumping. <laughs> like, that's that's <laughs> the problem with Pat, that he just doesn't stay down, you know, doing just,
0: calisthenics he, for yeah, uh,
1: defense. <laughs> um, but, like, for as good a shooter as Bryn Forbes is, I'm struggling somewhat to see how it all works out. And maybe part of this is just, like, the book's defense is going to change. Um, it's got to, in some ways. Yeah. And when he's on the floor, it could look very different, and maybe it works. But it's just not something we've seen with this iteration of the team, with the Bud Coach books and with Brooke there. And I'm having a hard time working out just how exactly in practice Bryn Forbes works out to be productive with the books. And it will be easy, like, it's a minimum deal. So under normal circumstances, you'd be like, oh, well, if he's not productive, he's not productive. Uh, again, at this moment, they only have 14 guys in the roster. Two of them are second-round rookies. Then you've got DJ Wilson, who, like, i basically given up on. Tanasis, 10. who... <laughs> And then any injuries. Like, yep. so Bryn Forbes has to play and play a meaningful role. That matters. I'm not convinced. Again, much like Bobby Portis, maybe I'll see it and a wave of relief will come over me. But in the moment, I was like, yeah, okay, I guess. I would have liked more wings, really, is kind of my tall at that point.
0: Problem is, I mean, you know, this kind of goes back to their limited resources. We saw guys like, I mean, if this is, again, kind of going back to the Porter side, and we saw Langston Galloway, I don't know if you saw, um, he signed with the Suns. I believe it's mm-hmm. for the biannual, Or no, 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 it's not. I think he got a minimum deal too. Um, whether they were in on the market or not, I mean, Bucks just may have, you know, flatly been disinterested in going after him, even though they got a player that's basically just like a Spurs version of Langston (laughs) Um, I don't don't know. I just think that their hands are already tied with how they, you know, where they needed help and everything. I just, I don't
1: know. I don't know. Are you, are you high on Brett Forbes? A lot of people seem to be quite high on him. I mean,
0: He's, a, he's kind of been a guy that was like oh if they if they need a bargain signing he's someone that could fill out the roster I've seen some people say he might he should be the the
1: starter No, I was shaking my head for a bit I'm seconds,
0: what you? right along with you <laughs> uh that's too rich for my blood that's that's not where I'm at
1: I mean I think there's also he fits into something and it's not entirely new. And this will also apply for the draft picks, and I think this will be a painful one to realize for the books, and and even more so for books fans. There, you you have people who are good shooters, right? The Rashad man conundrum. No, he wasn't a good shooter. I'm sorry, he was never a good <laughs> shooter. They were fools for thinking <laughs>
0: otherwise. Jason Kim was more of a fool than anything,
1: but for multiple reasons. Yeah, yeah. That's we don't need to go there. You can look at guys and be like, he shoots a good percentage. He's a good shooter. It doesn't mean you can just get him on the court and it works. It doesn't mean that. Oh,
0: uh, the, the Chris the, Copeland uh, conundrum. Well,
1: okay. Remember? <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, I, I remember lots of things about Chris Copeland. I yeah. was also expecting his to come back up. It doesn't mean that they're going to hit the shots that you're going to get with your team. It doesn't mean that they're going to cope with the pressure they're going to face on a well, good then, team as opposed to like a bad team or a college team like there's a reason the very best shooters like they just they can jump from team to team and they do it night in night out um Kyle Korver is an example for whatever ways he I don't I actually really don't think he hurt the books last year at all like considering what we knew he was he had a very good season but you you could see why he's Kyle Korver and while his career has gone the way it has gone as opposed to say someone like a Brent Forbes, I yeah, they, they've they've got shooters this year. They've certainly gone in on shooting, but how real the shooting will be when, possibly, depending on rotations, you might have multiple of those guys on the floor at the same time, um, or just when it's like, you know, Yanis is zipping a pass to me in the corner. And everything is on the line for me to make that shot. That's a very different take to, oh, he's a good shooter. That's, you know, that speaks to character. That speaks to experience and know-how of those moments. I, I think there's, there's something that's a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit of an illusion as to what the books have got in terms of shooting. I hope I'm wrong on that. I hope the, the percentages just hold up and it all works in practice. But I'm I'm a little skeptical of the particular collection of players they've got to make up the shooting, even though they are generally good shooters.
0: Yeah, I think... If we're kind of playing this like-for-like game that I keep relying on, it's different... Like, he's he kind of fills the core of our need where he's, you know... He's shown to be a good shooter in the NBA. Um, granted, circumstances have been very different. But, like, the biggest difference with Korver, like, equating him with Korver or something like that, is that, like, Bud coached Korver. Bud knows the ins and outs and how to use them. I mean, he, out of all the coaches that Korver has had over his career, or had over his career, whatever you want to, how you want to phrase it, like, Bud utilized him to his fullest advantage. He knows how to make uh, someone like Korver just, you know, a weapon. It too, I mean, he was an all-star, for God's sakes, and that was for, you know, kind of crazy reasons in itself. But, like, there's reasons why, like, if we're playing this, you know, he's replacing he's the this year's Kyle Korver or something like that. Like, he's not – there's not that, that – familiarity between Bud and Forbes like there was with Kyle Korver. And that's like, you know, I know like this is where it's like, you're kind of, you have to pump the brakes on how you kind of position all these shooters and how people, you know, fill a role and stuff like that. Um, It's just, yeah, it's not, I, I, I like him as a signing. I'm curious to how he'll be used, but I am, it's it's far more likely that he's not a he's a non factor than he is a uh uh someone that they can really rely on well, he, he can't be a non
1: factor. He's gonna like if he's a non factor, Jordan Moore has to be good. <laughs> you know, like yeah. right away playing. That's yep. a big ask. Uh we'll we'll get to Tori Craig and we'll finish on that in a moment. But I have just, you know, following on your your news that you brought in that I instantly made fun of. Do you know who Bam Adebayo's agent is?
0: Yeah,
1: I do. <laughs> do you not lead with that up front?
0: That's why. Yeah, that's why I brought it up.
1: For I didn't. I didn't know that until just you didn't know ago. that. No, I didn't know. But that's because. why
0: the whole Miami thing. The
1: people is- thing who don't yeah. know Alex Aratsis, Um I'm sure you know that name. Uh, that's the star of fighting Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Giannis's agent is the same. Now it's a BAM sharing agent. So if the Heat have decided, yeah, we're going to do this now, um, maybe there is just a little bit more to that.
0: Then. Yeah, that's that's the whole reason why people have like viewed Miami as a... Besides... Oh, there's other reasons too. Yeah, there's other reasons too. But the whole BAM connection and the agent thing has been kind of the lead off of like, oh, that's that could be a landing spot.
1: Yeah, that could be interesting. We could just finish this podcast now, and Yana signs the Supermax, and that mm-hmm. would be... You know what? It wouldn't be upsetting, Jordan. we would get to do a podcast about that sometime in a few days, and I don't think we... Yeah, after, complain, anyone um, after... else, <laughs> Anyone else would complain just about the timing of it, you know? We'd all get over that timing issue After I finish
0: quickly. running down the street and celebrating, and... <laughs>
1: Um, okay, Tori Craig. Uh... This is my favorite book's Of course.
0: <laughs> I knew you. I had a feeling this is how it would be let off. And it, you're justified.
1: Am I not? Am I not right, though? Like, I, I think there might be a lot of people who don't quite realize just how good Tory Craig is defensively. And just how much, given West's departure and what they lost and what maybe they've managed to fill in some ways or may on paper hope they filled the thing that was missing was like, who's your go-to wing defender? Uh, And and I think there was a place that people were talking themselves into and not wrongly because he could do it where it's like, okay, well, Drew Holiday is going to end up guarding like twos and threes possibly, which fine. And that could work. And maybe he still does some of that. Um, But as a lot of, a lot of very smart people have long like noted, and I'm sure we've discussed before, um, notice how I just separated us from the very smart people. Part of the reason why Chris Milton had the season he had last year was because he didn't have to take on the defensive assignments that for example when he really struggled at times against the Raptors in the conference finals the year before when he was on Kawhi Leonard.
0: Yep. Yeah, Brogdon was when, the more superior defender in that.
1: Yeah, he was. He was the better better defender in that series. Um And really, just Chris's energy was drained from that, and his offense didn't live up to much. So, last year, Wes Matthews comes in, he takes a lot of that off Chris' hands, does so very successfully, Chris goes on to his best offensive season.
0: Yeah, not insignificant.
1: And no, not. And even, like, regardless of how people feel on Chris Middleton, and we know how some people feel about Chris Middleton, um, there's no denying his importance to the Bucs right now. And getting the better version of him, the best version of him, is important. Torrey Craig gives you a chance to unlock that again. For me, Torrey Craig is a 2-3, slash three and his size, really, ideally, you play him at the tree. I I would be starting him at shooting guard this season, though. I think that gives uh. your not just your lineup the best balance, I think it gives your rotation the best balance. And it gives your starting lineup, like, your starting lineup is beyond what was already the most fearsome defensive lineup in the NBA. Um, Drew Holiday, Torrey Craig, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez would just be off the charts insane.
0: I really like that lineup. I uh, See, okay. I really like the signing. I think I'm right there with you. I think he... I think Torrey Craig is an NBA player. He has very uh, real limitations.
1: Yeah, offense. Yes. You don't want him having open layups in, at crucial moments in decisive playoff games.
0: No. Um.
1: <sighs> There's a big book coming here.
0: <laughs> My biggest worry... I think what made Tory Craig so valuable to the Nuggets, and I know they, you know, non tendered him after initially giving him his qualifying offer. I think what made him perfect with Denver that I have a little bit of trouble seeing with Milwaukee is you play off a guy like Nicole Jokic who can score from anywhere on the floor. Same with Jamal Murray. You have these offensive tent poles that mm-hmm. They basically just have to fill in valuable defenders around that. Whether they have done that, this offseason is uh, kind of a question mark. Even though I do like the Jermichael Green signing.
1: Um, For Kendo come on! <laughs> I forgot about that too. But Seriously, that's, that's going to be, be that's going to be fun. crazy. The the book should have done that anyway. Continue. <clears throat>
0: They're not a. The Bucks don't have that luxury. With Giannis. And
1: Do they not? Do they not have more of that than ever before now? Now that they have Drew Holiday instead of Eric Bledsoe. (sighs) I don't think it's as far removed. I I really don't. I get I get your point. But I think the only difference is that Giannis can't space the floor like Jokic could. But that's
0: a big difference.
1: It's not like Jokic is taking ten trees a night. No, but it's not I, like that's think... a focal point of his game. Like I, I think there is a lot that with Drew Holiday and with Chris Middleton and with Brook. Like you're still gonna have a, a spacing big, and then you're gonna have yes. the gravity of a forward. Well, one spacing big. I didn't say two. <laughs> um... And you've got a forward with like the the gravity that Giannis has. I mean that's. I, I really, really believe it can work. When that news came out, I, I don't know, did I even send you a message? It I, all think happened. You, I think
0: you. it was all caps. You're like,
1: uh... <laughs> <laughs> the fact it was all caps is not surprising. Um, <laughs> but it happened pretty quick, where if I hadn't, I wouldn't have been surprised. But my reaction was, uh, that is the perfect guy. Well, where the books were at, what was missing from their roster, my reaction was, that is the guy. I didn't believe they would get him, and they did, and they, they did they it very him quickly.
0: Too, they pulled yeah. that qualifying offer Saturday, and he signed Sunday morning.
1: Right, so it's not even like there was a long, drawn-out process, and I would bet that he got a lot of calls. I think his agent would have got a Timber- lot I think, of calls.
0: Uh, Darren Wolfson, who's a very plugged-in guy, I think from Minneapolis, mm-hmm. said Timberwolves were one of the teams that reached out to him.
1: I no disrespect to the Timberwolves. I think he would have got a lot of calls for much better teams than the yeah. Timberwolves. And maybe the Timberwolves could have offered more money. I don't know exactly their situation. Um, and that's one thing that did surprise me. I thought he's a guy who certainly someone will give the biennial exception to. Then maybe he had those offers, but he's been on a very good Nuggets team. And he's seemed to really revel in that and enjoy it. He's known for being a great you... locker room guy, mm-hmm. great work ethic. And maybe great he story. just wants to... Yeah, fantastic story. Um, All true, like he was in Australia, right? And then there's the yeah, G League like, Ultimate underdog. Un- ultimate underdog. Um, loved by teammates, loved by fans, kind of help set the tone for everything. Like, there's so many things to just be like, oh, what a great guy if we can add him. That's a big deal. So the fact that the books did it is great, but it's also, I think what he brings like for me with all the conversations, like you mentioned some people talking already about, Oh, Bryn Forbes could start. No, 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 no. Uh, maybe he could, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I don't see that. I don't like it. Uh, he is a terrible defender. He is a terrible, terrible defender. Augustson starting doesn't make sense.
0: No, they like, have not.
1: That's a good, you know, that's your closing lineup. Yes. Is is Augustine and Drew at the at the two. That's your closing lineup. You've got two ball handlers. That would give them a lineup that they haven't had since Brogdon left. Because Bledsoe yep. wasn't playable in crunch time a lot of the time. And certainly wasn't giving you both shooting and ball handling. So that's that's a really fun look to have two ball handlers and then your your three kind of core guys with them. Um the options for me are are Dante and Torrey Craig. And I would like to think there's a there's a next step Dante could take or at least that this season we'll see more of what he was before lockdown before the shutdown of the season. And certainly then that he'll bring that rather than what he brought to the playoffs. But even if that is the case, like if it's not the case I don't think he can start he was hardly playable at times in Orlando. Yeah.
0: So that's one. I mean, who wasn't at that point though? He was
1: the worst though. He really, he was the biggest fall off for so much of that. When that's he right. found like a brief spark and it was brief because he like didn't three allow to through five, but like that's why there was any hope for a moment it was because Dante was all of a sudden not completely useless again. Like he, he completely fell out. Like he was basically out of the rotation for a moment that was catastrophic. (laughs) And that was on last year's team with the, the depth that was there then compared to what there is now. Like, so with that, if he, if he's that version of him, he can't start. If he improves and he's better, I don't think you want him starting because your bench is going to need that. You're going to need a bit of a kick and he's going to be important. Like he's still here now. He's going to be important. He put out a tweet that was really great to see where he, I guess shared his love for books, fans, and it was very much reciprocated. Like, I, that's that, there's really strong feeling towards Dante from the fan base. That can't have been easy for him the last few days. Um, like it was an incredible mess, and he seems <laughs> to come out the Dante. Other side welcome
0: of it. to Milwaukee. And this is what the Bucks experience is.
1: Yeah, but he seems to come at the other side of it with a very mature approach. And if he has, if that's not just a tweet and he's actually taking that in stride and that's the business and I'm glad I'm still here and I'm going to show like that me being here is the difference, that's great. But for me, they are the two options and I see them as the only two options and of them, I'm more inclined to get Tori Craig out there because if Tory Craig is on your bench and Dante, who I want to hope is going to be better then I think he necessarily will be, but I'm going to hope anyway. Like if he's on your starting lineup, you get very little offense out of your bench. And then someone like Bryn Forbes does need to be your offense and he has no defense. And it gets very difficult just to even construct rotations that are staggered to a way that keeps the whole thing from crumbling when like any of the starters take a seat. So that's, that's my Tory Craig cases. I think it just, it gives you as much as you can have still on the bench while also maximizing your starting lineup. I think it gives you last year's starting lineup with the upgrade at point guard. Torrey Craig also, I mean, his shooting is shaky. It hasn't happened yet, but he, it's not like he's a non-shooter. There's nothing to say that he couldn't come and have like a career year, and that to be a key difference maker. Like it's, It's not like he's a guy who just can't shoot at all. It's just anything else offensively,
0: mm. not a
1: good idea, not advisable. You don't want the ball in his hands.
0: I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Uh,
1: As in the shooting. too
0: he is shown to be <clears throat> he can hit shots. It's just a matter of it's the same story with like Pat Dante. It's exactly
1: the same story with Pat.
0: Yeah. Um. Is there another uh, Sterling? Dante. <laughs> yeah, Dante. Um. Yeah, like it's just all. It's all about c- consistency. He hasn't shown that and he's played has played a lot of minutes already in the nba um you know the value they get from him defensively yeah i mean even west to an extent last year it wasn't you know i know people you know as we talk about the west you know leaving for la but we had times where it's like yeah west just doesn't have it tonight he's not hitting shots so it's not like you're. oh yeah you know like if that's the that's the whole point like after all the twists and turns and everything with the wing rotation and everything like that, like where the bucks are kind of in the, basically in the same spot where it's like, okay, who's a good sh- shooter from their wing rotation It's Forbes, but what can he do defensively? Dante is the most, uh, you know, the biggest all round talent and has my vote to be in the starting lineup for kind of like how they had the starting lineup with Brogdon for the 18, 19 season. But we know history can go cold. It just that's going to be you know the ever evolving, uh, like theme for basically the season is that who who from their free agent signings, the depth additions that they have made can solve that problem. They did it. They got it through the draft, but as we talked about before, bake on that right away. As much as they seem to fit the bill of being a uh you know, players that can play right away. It's not it's not necessarily that easy to. And the same goes for guys that can play closing minutes when it's you know game five of the Easter Conference semifinals and it's a two two series or whatever it is. That's where it's like they kinda are in the same boat as they were, you know, at the end of the twenty nineteen twenty season.
1: Well, look, the big thing, and I guess to kind of get us into the wrap-up is, like, they don't have Eric Bledsoe anymore. They've got Drew Holiday.
0: That's a very good point.
1: Like, that just could... Maybe with Drew Holiday instead of Eric Bledsoe last year or the year before, I think almost certainly the year before, the depth beyond that would have... Like, the importance of the depth just decreases. You made a really good point earlier in regard to George Hill, which I hadn't quite thought about, but that's like DJ Augustin may never be viewed as important as George Hill was. And that's because George Hill was the backup to Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. Like that's a big deal. Like the, that kind of baggage that was there, that they were always like, they're, they're essentially playing defense, you know, going into that situation. (laughs) Because they're going, okay, well, we can't go with what is our most comfortable lineup, the lineup we use most often, because this guy becomes just so much less useful in these minutes. You now have someone who is like just a really unbelievably well-rounded player. Like, there's going to be a lot of this. You'll have a lot of opposing fans, and I've already seen it. It's like, oh, well, Drew Holday isn't that good. He's not this level of star, and the books paid all of this for him. I, drew holiday is really really good and there may not be like i don't know if there's ever been a team in his career that has possibly been as well suited to what he brings like this to me feels like a perfect fit a perfect marriage for him at this point in his career in terms of look around the league look at the mix of players the books have i think this could be a really kind of a special thing that he could bring to the table here And this is the unknowable right now, but if it is, if the upgrade from Bledsoe to Drew Holiday can prove significant enough, I don't know, does it matter? Like, maybe Bryn Forbes can play without it being like, oh, he can't defend. Or maybe Torrey Craig play without it being, oh, well, his shooting's not holding up and he can't do anything else. Like, the Lakers won the championship last year. Their bench was terrible. It ended up being effective in multiple ways, mm-hmm. some surprising, but like the, their depth the biggest... isn't the thing. You don't—they didn't win the title because of their depth. They Agreed. won the title yes. because of what they had at the front end. Yes, and it then gets easier to overlook the weaknesses and the problems of the depth. You know, yes. like Pat Connaughton yeah. could have played a meaningful role on last year's Lakers team doing very similar things to what he did with the books without necessarily getting the same negative attention because the rest of what they had worked well enough that no one bench player was ever going to bring the thing down.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: gotta be, that's gotta be the hope in the, the Bledsoe to Holiday upgrade.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's, and if we're looking, or I was going to go in a different direction, but like think about what, who drew holiday has played with over the years. Like, yeah, he's played with Anthony Davis, who's an MVP candidate. He's you know now an NBA champion. Giannis could be on par with that if the Bucks win the championship. He's two time MVP. We've you know talked about all this stuff. Is the second best teammate that he's ever played with like a year of Demarcus Cousins, who is very good at his possibly. Team, so like,
1: it, possibly yes.
0: But I don't think I don't think there's. Even mm. someone close to it,
1: like the thing is, I it may not have been the Marcus Cousins, just in terms of the version of DeMarcus Marcus Cousins that he got to play with. Like yeah. it might be last year's Brandon Ingram. But that's what we're talking about, like, which means he's now playing with better than that at multiple spots, not just Giannis but Chris as well.
0: That's that's my exactly my point. Like he has. For as good as he has been, and he, you know he's playing in the West, he's not going to get All Star consideration when you know you have guys like Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Harden, Westbrook, just to name a few. Those are guys that are going to be All Star All NBA candidates. But we know how good defensively he is. He's shown that in the playoffs, even though it was you know the first round of the series against the Blazers, where they just completely shut them down. He just he is for what his role was in New Orleans. He was asked to play a role that was. Honestly, a little bit more than he was—he's suited for, like he's a, as he's a very good two-way player, all that stuff. But he, their guard rotation outside of that was pretty just kind of there wasn't there wasn't this kind of you know creator or focal point that you've based your blueprint off like the Bucks have had with Giannis, with Chris, with previously Bledsoe, whatever you want to you know use it. Then you add in, uh, add in a guy like Brooke, who it's a matter of basically just him hitting shots, but you, we know how he affects the Bucks, uh ability to win and be as successful as they have been with uh, Brooke in Milwaukee the last two years. That's where like, the whole point of like talking about like the Lakers and how they won, a, won an... Uh, a title with very serious (laughs) limitations and they honestly have not really addressed those shooting limitations Mm. at all. Would you agree?
1: Uh, Yeah. Okay. Maybe with shooting, but just uh, just shooting
0: strictly shooting.
1: Like we'll, we will actually, we'll have to do an episode on this, looking around the league and basically just zooming all the way out from the books and looking at the books rivals. Um, I, I think you and I are following up very different places with the Lakers. I, I think the Lakers have just improved, like, colossally, kind of scarily. Now, look, they're in the other conference. So, you know, if the books do their job, no matter how good the Lakers are or whatever, you can't play them until the finals, like, for when it really matters. And if you get there, well, then it's seven games, you see what happens. So I'm not necessarily concerned about that in that regard. But... I I think they've yeah shooting may be fair shooting I'm not gonna say you're wrong on that. They're even like bringing back someone like KCP, like he can be a good shooter at times, but he is not. Is their second over best the shooter Wes career.
0: Matthews or LeBron? Maybe,
1: but look, we we also yeah. got to watch West up close last year, and there are peaks and troughs to that. Right? You, yeah, you go through the ups and downs. And he is not at this point in his career like dead eye forty percent shooter. I, I nope. just don't think that's who he is anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but that I don't think they've got worse than they did last year to that point either.
0: Agreed. Yeah, but it kind of just shows when you have these temples to build around of players like Giannis, of players like LeBron, Anthony Davis.
1: Well, who's the Lakers' third best player?
0: I don't know if it's best. How I'm going to answer this is if it's best. But if they win at all next year, their most crucial one is going to be Schroeder. Really? You think so? I mean, I'm not I am not just Who else interested. is there? I know it's LeBron, and he's basically a point guard in a, you know, power forward body. But, uh, like, who else is their guards? Like, it's Caruso, it's... It's not Quinn, Quinn Cook is gone. Rondo sided with Atlanta. I don't even know who their backup point guard is right now.
1: Like, the Schroeder, it's amazing because I was, like, beyond plugged into all Hawks things when Schroeder was drafted. And the, the ultimate, like, hope for Schroeder was always that he would become Rajon Rondo. Yep. And I think stylistically, there are definite similarities in their game, but I think them kind of temperament wise our approach to the game very different. So shooter has always been more of a scorer than a facilitator.
0: Yeah, they don't really have a backup point guard.
1: Well Caruso has been useful for them. He's not I wouldn't be queuing up to sign him as a free agent, but
0: no, he's Caruso a, he's a has player. done
1: exactly what like they've needed him to do and probably will again. Yeah. Like we'll we'll go all the way deep into that in our time, but even part of why I was asking that is like all of the talk over the years about second star. And is Chris Middleton good enough to be the second star in a championship team? You're going to find it tough to find teams with three guys together who are better than Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. And if you stretch it to four guys and have Brooke Lopez, that's even tougher.
0: The, like, the spine of that the Bucks team right now, especially defensively, like yeah, I know,
1: off the charts. Um,
0: it's like we could talk. Like that's the thing is that like I was kind of worried before they got Craig, especially like they're relying on a lot, a lot of guys that you're hoping are like net neutral defenders, as good as Dante is too. But he he's a kind of a different breed, I would say. Um, but you just that's that's Chris is not like an all NBA defender, but he he certainly has his moments, and we saw. I mean he was the best person that they put on Duncan Robinson during that heat series. Um,
1: well, yeah, but the other part of that too is like, let's say, let's say in a lineup, whether it's starting, where it's in the flow of a game closing, whatever situation might be. Like if it's those four guys and Tory Craig, like Chris is the worst good defender. Night. Good night. That's Chris <laughs> is the worst defender and he's really good. Like, yeah. like he doesn't have to be an, an all defensive kind of player when you've got Four guys who could be, like, depending how situations break in their role. Tough for Tory Craig, probably, uh, because of his offense, funnily enough, and what that yeah. would mean for minutes across his career. He,
0: he probably won't – he just won't play enough to really – Yeah,
1: because of his offense. So that's his offense. Also, he hurts his chances of picking up defensive accolades, but it's not a reflection on his defensive ability. You're talking one of the very, very best wing defenders in the NBA. Like, on-ball, yep. wing defender – there's not many guys better than Torrey. Has
0: proven it in the playoffs too.
1: Yes. And even like just to prove it in the regular season in the Western conference, like at a time when the West has just been a bloodbath. So every night he's going up against just impossibly difficult assignments. Like he has reps. (laughs) He has plenty of reps of doing this. And I I don't think that will phase him. I mean, Mm -hmm. The last question is, are, do you think the books are better this year than last year?
0: You'd be surprised.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd be surprised? Have, oh, no, be you, surprised nothing that you that would have say a, surprise a, a me. A
0: multi-part answer. Okay. I think they are worse. Oh, okay. In terms of w- true wins-losses.
1: Well, there is ten less games, so I agree with that.
0: Exactly, and <laughs> all the other weirdness with COVID and prospect of injuries. They they are far; they're a more shallow team,
1: and they for, also have to bed in lots of new players with no real training camp or preseason. Exactly,
0: but they are a better team for built for
1: the playoffs.
0: Playoffs yes, built to win a title.
1: Yeah, I don't even think I really judge it the first part anymore. Like my Yeah, me neither. My overall take on it is I'm slightly disappointed in how this book's off season has played out. And part of that is the Bogdan thing happened. Like no matter how real it was, no matter we we had a couple of days where we thought it was happening. We recorded a podcast where we discussed it. That's there forever. People can at any time, when this goes terribly wrong, go back and pretend Bogdan was going to sign, like we did a full podcast on it. Um, I don't, I can't think of any scenarios over like three hundred and twenty plus episodes where that's happened to us before. So I don't
0: think I don't think there's any.
1: Yeah, not if anything would be like oh, the, the,
0: maybe they it's like a draft and they part of, trade them as part of like a draft trade, but like that's. Nothing
1: story. nothing close to as consequential as this particular case. Yeah. So I think it's impossible to just, like, toss that aside and be like, okay, let's pretend that didn't happen. And if the truth is, yeah, if at the start of, you know, the start of this month you would said, okay, by the end of the month, Eric Bledsoe's gone, you've got Drew Holiday, would Books be very happy? The answer is yes. Yeah. And that is true. I think they are better. That's true. You can't keep... You've already made that joke on Twitter. There's only so many times you're going to get away with Jordan. (laughs) They are better. I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if it's enough based on things that other teams are doing. And that will be another podcast we'll do. We'll talk about, say, the Nets. Like, what are the Nets? Are the Nets as scary as they could be? Or are the Nets going to be everything that's been wrong with... Uh, Some of the teams, their two stars have been on. Time will tell. Boston? Yeah. Toronto? Uh, I would say they're... At my own peril, I'm going to continue to... uh, I had a year off where I was not doubting the Raptors. I'm not going to listen to too much Raptors talk this year.
0: Yeah, I I would pay them in the conversation. Losing
1: Ibaka and Gasol, like, Aaron Baines is good.
0: He's not he's not, again again, I hate that I keep just doing the like-for-like like stuff, but like, there's a reason why Gasol was such a perfect fit with Toronto, even when he's kind of not a willing three-point shooter as we saw. But like, Yeah,
1: but Baines can't defend quite he can't as well defend, as He's
0: not as he can't good of a pass, passer. Like,
1: yeah, so he can't be a hub for your offense at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not entertaining the Raptors quite like that. But look, if the Nets assume that position and the Sixers now have a roster that makes a lot more sense, like they're far from insignificant. And then you've got the heat. Like, how did we just manage to not mention the heat? That's a lesson that we should learn. Like, if any if any podcast should be talking about the heat, it's possibly this one. Are but, they better though? No. No, I don't think they are. The same, probably. Mm. I I look I no Jay Crowder maybe losing Jay Crowder may set them back. Um
0: Especially that Jay well, Crowder.
1: It doesn't matter though, like if they're the same, they're a tough out for the books. Like we now know this.
0: Yeah.
1: An easier out with Drew Holiday instead of Eric Bledsoe Sure. Like my, my thing is the books are better. Yes. It's just whether they're better enough. They could have really made a colossal jump, a big statement. It was one that I didn't think was possible going in. Maybe it wasn't really possible, but we did briefly get to glimpse a path to that. And that is something that will rankle. It will stick around much like Brogdon and Brogdon. Again, I, I said to you on that last episode, I was like, you can stop talking about that now. And it's amazing because actually you can't. And it's more important than ever because if they had Malcolm Brogdon, then they really could have pulled off some sign and trades. Yep. You know that's your piece to it's unlock ob- it's, any kind of daily one.
0: It's not people I know that like if we talk about like at, hanging over last season. It's like no, it hangs over how you build the team for the
1: future. The whole like, no. era, the whole arc of this team, that decision will hang over, and it's because of like again, like let's move away from the oh he does this as a player, he does that. It's it was about the asset as much as anything. Like, very good player, very useful player, maybe the player that could make the difference. But if it wasn't him, he could have been the key to someone else. And, and to out, up,
0: like, Sacramento's in a position where they could say they could clean their hands. I know this is not like a Bucks related topic, but like, they can wipe their hands clean of Bogdan Bogdanovich. Sure. Right now, if they really mm-hmm. wanted to. They could just keep him. And then once that trade, no trade clause for like a year or whatever goes away, they could trade them for something else. It's all about yeah. opportunity cost and how you can. Yeah, it could be really messy right now for them, especially because they're just not going to make the playoffs. It's clear as day. But when you lose something for nothing, you can't get gain anything back from it, even with a first round pick that you use for Drew Holiday. It just, yeah. Just... I and mean, when
1: you have no draft picks, too, it's like there's no, there was no path to replenishing it. But we're going, now we're going over like territory we've gone over a thousand times. But it, the point is that it is still relevant. It is once again relevant. We got a couple of days where it may not have been relevant. <laughs> and then the universe said, no, uh-uh, this, is uh, a, no. <laughs> this is a thing forever. You're not getting past this. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's it for now. What I will say is I've really, really enjoyed this conversation, Jordan. Thank you. I, I always enjoy, you were supposed to say you enjoyed it too. But I, do, I always I did. <laughs> I always enjoy our podcast, but I have to say this one actually has, more than when I started talking at the beginning of this episode, has brought me to a point of being excited for the season. Yes. Just for the curiosities of, you know, what is this going to look like? It's something new. Something new. Um, something very new in a lot of sense. Something so, new?
0: Something blue? Blue jersey? Um, something uh, Drew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one listening is going to have laughs as hard as you just did. It's just really something. If I parked the something blue elements. That can be another day's conversation because we don't want to go too long. Um, in spite of the fact we've already gone too long. Alright, we'll be back next week. Maybe the books aren't done. I would kind of expect them not to be. I think we will get another move to potentially leads to two more moves. It might be the point. biggest move so, of them all. Really? I oh well, that one too. Sure, uh, yeah. that's going to happen. I hope. Uh, if it doesn't, we'll be talking about it not happening too. But plenty more to come, we'll be back next week and we'll work through some of that, and then very quickly we're going to really be into like previewing the season, going through all the books arrivals, as we've alluded to lots of times in this episode, so yeah, it's kind of, it's back to business at record speed until the next time, make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud Apple Podcasts, Stitcher you'll find us in all those places Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at and 6 Podcast. As always, if you want to read about the books, I would recommend you go check out Jordan Dalton, the rest of your team's work, bookpass.com and we'll be back with you very soon. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan.
0: Thank you.